بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين يقص الحق وهو خير الفاصلين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسالة الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد This is our 46th session in the series of Islam's greatest personalities and today we'll be discussing the story of Prophet Suleiman alayhi salam part 1 inshallah So last week we spoke about Prophet Dawood alayhi salam and today we speak about Suleiman Suleiman is the son of Dawood so very noble so his father was a prophet and he is also a prophet as well and his lineage will be similar to that of Dawood alayhi salam of course as we discussed last week where it leads all the way to Ishaq alayhi Yaqub the son of Ishaq who is the son of Ibrahim alayhi salam now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about Suleiman alayhi salam in various places in the Quran so we're going to look at these verses translate them and then discuss them inshallah first of all the discussion on Suleiman alayhi salam will be doing today will be all from surah al-naml surah al-naml is a surah which is named after the ant you know the ant okay so there's a surah in the quran named after the ant so all the verses we'll be taking we'll look at maybe three stories from there uh, which will be regarding Suleiman alayhi salam all from surah al-naml so first of all we find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions وَوَرِثَ سُلَيْمَانُ دَاوُودِ and Suleiman succeeded Dawood this is what Quran says Suleiman succeeded Dawood وَقَالَ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ and he said O people عُلِّمْنَا مَنْطِقَ الطَّيْرِ we were taught the language of the birds وَأُوتِينَا مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ we were given of all things إِنَّ هَذَا لَهُوَ الْفَضُّ الْمُبِينَ Indeed, this is an obvi obvious grace of Allah. So this is how the verses start speaking about Prophet Suleiman alayhi salam. Now the first thing is Wawaritha Suleimanu Dawood. The word Wiratha or Warith. We're all familiar with this, aren't we? Yeah, what does it mean? Hmm? Sorry? Father, no, I'm talking about Wiratha. Wiratha. Warith. Not Walid. Warith. We, we, we've heard of this before. What does it mean, Wiratha? No? Are we not familiar with this term? In, in our language, you call it Wirasat. Okay? Uh, in, in, in Urdu, uh, in Arabic, we say Wiratha. And if a person is 
doing this, then they will call them waris. What does it mean? Inheritance or inheritor. Okay? Now he's saying, oh yeah, we know that word. Okay? Everybody knows about it. If you've got any links to back home, everybody knows about this. Okay? All the fights that are going on about the land and this, this and that. Let's not get into that now. So, wiratha. Wiratha. So, Allah uses the word, wawaritha Sulaymanu Dawood. Sulaiman inherited from his father Dawood. So that, that's the actual word that's been used. What did I translate it as? Yeah, what did I translate it as? You are listening. Or you were, but you've forgotten. Okay, I translated it as Suleiman succeeded Dawood. Suleiman succeeded, meaning took over Dawood. Now the question over here is, what did Suleiman inherit or succeed or take over after his father? When we speak about, sorry, prophethood, yes. So when we generally speak about Wiratha, what do we, what do we speak about? What's it in related to, relation to? Money, wealth, assets, okay? So this is a very important point to clarify here that although we know Dawood alayhi salam was a king, a very big king as well, he had a huge kingdom. So was Sulaiman alayhi salam. Somebody could think, well, he just inherited that from his father. No, over here, Quran is saying, Wawaritha Sulaiman Dawood. Sulaiman alayhi salam inherited from his father Dawood. Now, there's a number of things to understand and clarify that this is not talking about wealth. Why is it not talking about wealth? Number one, Dawood alayhi salam had 19 children. 19 children, not just one, Sulaiman. He had 19. How would it be that only one of his sons would inherit the wealth? Okay, so the fact that if, and if, if he was talking about, I mean, everybody inherits wealth. Everybody inherits, it's, it's a normal thing. The father dies and you know people left behind or whoever dies people left behind they become inheritors yes the system has been different but it's a normal thing why would there be a need to mention that here praising Suleiman if he was talking about wealth are we, are we following so the scholars of the quran say over here it's not talking about wealth also we find in the hadith the prophet says we meaning talking about the prophets says we are the group of the prophets we don't inherit. We don't inherit and we don't leave behind inheritance. Wherever we do leave behind is a charity. So if a prophet passes away and he's left behind assets and wealth, if there is anything, nobody becomes an inheritor. This is a hadith. And we learn this. This is a principle. That when a prophet leaves anything behind, that goes into charity. Nobody, even if he has children, they will not become inheritors of that wealth. That's just a, a rule Allah has made regarding prophets. So over here, although the word wawaritha is used, it's talking about knowledge. It's talking about prophethood. And this is why it's been specifically mentioned. Because not every child inherits the intelligence or the uh, uh, occupation or, for example, the wisdom of the father. That's not normal for every child to inherit that and to take that on board. So this was the speciality that Suleiman alayhi salam, he succeeded his father Dawood in prophethood, in wisdom, and in this God-gifted divine attributes that were granted to his father. So that was the first blessing. So the first blessing is Suleiman alayhi salam has succeeded his father and he's a prophet. 
And then he says to the people, وَقَالَ And he said this. Now he said this not to boast, not out of pride, but we call this تَحْدِيث bin نِعْمَةٍ تَحْدِيث bin نِعْمَةٍ means to sometimes وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثِ Quran says, So Quran and Hadith gives us instructions. Sometimes the Quran and the Hadith tells us to keep a low profile, just to keep it, you know, don't brag, don't show off, don't, you know, boast to other people. And that's there. On the flip side, you have cases where there was a person once, the Prophet saw this individual, and he was wearing clothes that were quite tatty. They were quite tatty and old. He looked a bit of a mess. And the Prophet says that, hasn't Allah given you wealth? Aren't you like quite well to do? Like you, you, the way you're dressed doesn't show that. So he said, yes, so Prophet of Allah, Allah has given me. So then the Prophet said, Allah loves that if he has blessed a person, Allah wants to see that on you. Why are you dressing like someone who doesn't have anything? Allah, and you're not doing it for the people. This is Allah likes. If He's given you a blessing, use it. Don't hide it away. There's no point of hiding it away. It's a blessing. It's a blessing for you to use. So, and over here we have And for the blessings of your Lord, uh, mention them. Mention them. So, if it's not done with the intention of boasting, of being arrogant, a person is conscious of the fact that it's a blessing from Allah. From time to time, you can say, Alhamdulillah, Allah's blessed me and given me the privilege, for example, uh, to go for Hajj. Okay, you're not saying it to boast. You know your intention better than anybody else. But to this is praising Allah Subhanahu wa Taala by mentioning His blessings. So this is what Sulaiman did over here. So he says, Wawaritha Sulaimanu Dawood. Sulaiman succeeded his father Dawood in prophethood. And it's the Rawafid and the Shia who actually say over here and they manipulate this and they say it means wealth. The thing is, if you lie once, you have to lie a hundred times. Right? And this is, this is a principle. If you lie once, you have to lie a hundred times. Now, to fabricate something else and to change the meaning of something, anyone who's come to the deen, it's not just deen, it's with anything in life. If you want to change a law, if you want to change a rule, if you want to change the story, so keep it simple. There's a story, something that happened. If you want to change the story over here, right? So I've, I've, I've changed it here. I've twisted something. Now, the whole story has to make sense. If I change it here, now hang on, there was a mention of this over here as well. So now I have to change it here. Hang on, I have to change this part as well. And, the, and you realize, if you, that's why they say when you lie once, you end up having to lie a hundred times. So anybody that's come to this deen, this beautiful religion of Islam, and try to distort it, change it, like the Rawafid have, okay? Now, what's happened is if you change it in one place, you can't just leave it to that. Now you have to change it here, you have to change it here. Everywhere that you mentioned, you have to try and twist it somehow to try and fit your agenda. And that's why we have, you might sometimes think, why do we have fabricated hadith? You know, you must, somebody might tell you a hadith. Or tell you about there's a narration and they say this is mawdur, meaning this is fabricated it's made up why would anyone why would anyone with the right mind make up a hadith why would anyone do that is, is that even something to do right and, and there is when the scholars of hadith categorize hadith there are numerous narrations that are circulated and the scholars will say that this is fabricated it's been made up 
And there's a very strong hadith that says that anybody that falsely attributes a saying to the Prophet ﷺ, something he didn't say, they should prepare their abode in the hellfire. So the warning is, is very uh, serious for anybody that makes a hadith up. Despite that, why did people make hadith up? One of the reasons is this. If somebody had an agenda, whether it be political, whether it be religious, whether it be a cult. So within Islam, somebody wanted to create a type of a cult. Okay. Or they wanted to change the story and manipulate it to their own favor. Okay. And this happened politically as well, unfortunately. Where if they had, if they had some kind of, they wanted to win over the other party. Unfortunately, at that time, there were people who went as far as fabricating narrations. And thus we find these kind of narrations. But alhamdulillah, that doesn't mean that we lose trust in our tradition. No, the scholars have made a very rigorous effort. There is no religion in the whole world. There is no religion. And there's nothing in the whole world that is so rigorously verified and checked and thoroughly, thoroughly authenticated like Islam. Would you look at the hadith that the actual field of jarh and ta'deel where the scholars of hadith have scrutinized, scrutinized the change, not, not the words of the Prophet ﷺ, but every single person that's narrating that hadith, all the way till the Prophet ﷺ, they've taken each and every individual. Okay, so-and-so says he heard this from so-and-so. Now they'll first of all verify what was so-and-so like? Did so-and-so ever lie in their life? So much so that they found a scholar who's claimed to narrate hadith and he had some he was calling a horse and he called the horse and he had he was showing like come come over here i'll feed you something and when the horse came he didn't have anything in his hand so the scholars around said we will not take hadith from this man if he deceives an animal he will deceive people this is how particular they were very particular secondly they would try and verify okay so and so is saying khalid is saying that he heard this hadith from Hashim. Now, was it even possible for Khalid to meet Hashim? Were they first of all alive at the same time? If they were, did they live close by? If they live close, is there proof of them meeting? If they met, how long did they meet for? What, what, was any of them under direct contact, meaning in terms of a teacher-student relationship? How could he have? They've gone through rigorous, thorough, verifying methods in every single chain of narration and that's why then you have the classification that this is authentic or this is weak or this is fabricated is everyone following so when it comes to the reason i mentioned this is we've come to this word and the group of people want to twist the meaning now it's not because they just for okay over here it, it kind of sounds different so let's just you know it's because they've done it in so many other places right that they have to do it here as well um, to fit in with whatever they're trying to change. So Sulaiman alayhi salam says, وَقَالَ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ أَوْ people عَلِّمْنَا مَنْطِقَ الطَّيْرِ Another blessing of mine that Allah has given me is that Allah has given me the language of the birds. The language of the birds. وَأُوْتِينَا مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ And we've been given of all things. So that was specific. Language of the birds. He knew the language of the birds. Birds is chirping away. He would know what they're saying. And then he generalizes, says, we've been given everything, like any blessing you can imagine, I've been given it by Allah. He says that indeed, this is an obvious grace of Allah. Fadl. 
Fadl means uh, it's basically Fadl al-Mubin. Fadl is grace, meaning when if somebody gives you something, like uh, when somebody, uh, you know, you do a favor for somebody, someone does you a favor, or someone owes you something, uh, because whatever, you're in a relationship, or because of a friendship, or you're working for somebody, that's different. But one is when somebody gifts you something, goes out of the way, you didn't deserve it, you weren't expecting it. You had no, uh, nothing to do with that individual or that person. And they go out of their way and they, and they grace you with something. Everything we have is a grace of Allah. We say, Hada min fadli rabbi. You must see these people put these stickers on their houses. Okay, fadl. Fadl is grace. We didn't ask for any of this. We didn't deserve any. Have we done anything for Allah? We've not done anything for him. We didn't, we've not paid him. Okay. We've not filled any forms in. We've not done anything for him that we deserve. So everything we have in our life, this is a fadl, meaning we didn't deserve it. We, we were not deserving of it. And we were not entitled to it. We, there was like no must that we had to have it. This is an obvious, clear part. And the greatest thing to realize is we have no input in it. I've got no part in what I have. It's nothing to do with me. A lot of our lives we can see and we can relate to it. Sulaiman is saying, look, number one, the fact that Allah granted me prophethood. says this is a clear and obvious grace. Like, you can't become a prophet. You can't apply. You can't go to, you know, online and apply. Okay, and send your CV and become a prophet. You can't do that. No matter how many qualifications you have. So it's obvious. Number one. Number two, the fact that he was taught the language of the birds. He didn't go to school and study it. Allah taught it to him. And thirdly, he says, Allah's given me everything. He says, I didn't ask for these things. I didn't earn them. I have no input whatsoever. So this is a great position to be in. To be able to recognize that we are truly, truly blessed. And everything we have, you know, we, we've, it's not because of us or my excellence. I didn't achieve it. Only Allah gave it. And the du'as of the Prophet ﷺ really help us to focus on this. When you're wearing your clothes, okay, we're all wearing clothes, right? We all should have read, Alhamdulillahilladhi kasani hada. All praises due to Allah who has clothed me with this clothing. And he's granted this to me without any power of might on my part. He wants you to negate whether you, you shopped for it online, whether you stood in the queue, okay, whether you paid 10 pounds or 100 pounds for it. Allah wants you to say, you did nothing for it. There's many people that shop for hours and they come back empty-handed. There's many people who, 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 who've got much more money than you, but they don't have what you have. The fact that you have it, this is only Allah's grace. This is a grace. And he wants us to recognize this in the morning and say this. Same with after eating, we have find a very similar dua. Alhamdulillahilladhi ata'amani. And then some say, Hadha ta'ama warazaqanihi min ghayri hawli minni wa laquwa. We eat every day. And we just kind of expect it. Like it's normal. We're going to go home now. We're going to eat. Like why not? Of course I'm a human being. I have to eat. No, you don't have to eat. It's... Someone's providing this for you and that is Allah. There are many people in the world who don't have food to eat. Who don't have food to eat. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about how many taps there are in your house? Taps. It's, it's, uh, just looking at water, right? 
Uh, you actually have to think about it, don't you? Yeah, you have to actually think. Taps where you can open in your house and clean fresh water comes out. We have to actually think about it and there's, not, there's definitely more than one, okay? We can count quite a few taps, can't we? Like, there's so many people in the world that don't have a single tap in their home. They don't have access to clean water. We've got like, you know, if, if, if we're thinking that we've got it bad and it's going really difficult and hard times, just think about that. It's the most basic thing, a lot of people don't have this. So this is fadl. What did I do to deserve that? I didn't, this is Allah's given it to me. I didn't ask for any of this. I didn't apply for any of this. So first of all, we learn that Suleiman alayhi salam succeeded his father. Secondly, he mentions that he was given the language of the birds so he could converse with them. He understood them and he could speak to the birds. And the fact that he says, We've been given everything, meaning Allah granted Suleiman everything he required to be the greatest king and ruler that has ever lived in the world. Because Suleiman actually made one dua to Allah. And he said, Rabbi habli mulkan la yambaghi li ahadim min al-alameen. Allah grant me such a kingdom that won't be suitable for anybody else in the whole world. Like, I want to be unique in this. I want to be such a king. So Allah granted him the, the human beings were under his control. The jinn were under his control. The birds were under his control. The winds were under his control. And so many other uh, you know, creatures and creations of Allah were under the control of Suleiman alayhi salam. So this was the first part. Now we're going to move on. The Quran says, I'll translate the verses first. And gathered for Suleiman were his troops. So Allah tells us on one occasion, the troops of Suleiman were gathered for him. They were in three groups. The troops were in three groups. Jinn, humans, and birds. For whom you own, they were all held in order. Like they all had this very specific order. Like you had three parts of this huge army. You got the troops of the humans, the troops of the jinn, and the troops of the birds. And as they were like this, until they came onto a valley of the ants. So there's a valley where there were ants and this huge army of thousands of jinns, thousands of humans, thousands of birds, right? They're just they're going. And they come to this valley where there's ants. One of the ants spoke out and said, Ya namlu, all ants, udukhulu masakinahum. Masakinakum, enter into your dwellings, into the holes, enter into your dwellings. Let it not be that Suleiman and his army crush you and they don't even realize. So you don't want this to happen that Suleiman and his army are coming, they're on the way. There's thousands of them. They won't even realize, they won't even know. You're so small, little, tiny. And they're like marching away. You're going to get crushed. So go into the hole and take shelter. فَتَبَسَّمَ ضَاحِكًا مِنْ قَوْلِهَا Suleiman smiled whilst laughing at her words. Her meaning the ant. وَقَالَ رَبِّ أَوْزِعْنِي And he said, O oh Allah, أَوْزِعْنِي أَنْ أَشْكُرَ نِعْمَتَكَ الَّتِي أَنْ عَمْتَ عَلَيَّ 
direct me to be thankful to you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon me and upon my parents and allow me to carry out righteous deeds and admit me by your mercy amongst your pious worshippers now that was telling us about the story of the aunt now what we learn here is uh, Suleiman alayhi salam, the son of Dawood alayhi salam, as he's going with his troops, this incident happens. Now imagine, he's got all of these uh, jinn, human beings, birds with him. And as they're traveling, they come across a valley of the ants. Now those who have said, you know, they create this image of Suleiman alayhi salam like on a flying carpet or something, right? Or he was... Th that from this verse of the Quran we understand that he wasn't flying in the air how would the ant get crushed okay so they were on the earth they were marching on the earth right and this is the Quran speaks very clearly about it so we understand that that's not correct so he's he's, he's marching with the armies and they are going and the ant speaks out now what's very interesting is Suleiman alayhi salam heard the ant. Not only heard the ant, Suleiman alayhi salam understood what the ant said. And as a result of that, he smiled and he laughed, being impressed by what she said, but also recognizing that, wow, this is something Allah's blessed me with and he's not given to anybody else. So recognizing and appreciating the bounty of Allah that led him to more gratitude. So he was doing shukar and gratitude, but this is the beauty of gratitude and shukar. Once you start doing it, it opens upon you more and more and more opportunities to be grateful and to be a person that uh, shows gratitude. And this is what we learn from Suleiman alayhi salam. So here we find that Suleiman alayhi salam was impressed with what she said and he also praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and after realizing that this is a blessing he made a dua he made a dua so he was very grateful already as you saw before he said that in hada this is an obvious grace of Allah over here as well he smiles not because he's laughing at everybody else thinking ah, I know and you don't know it wasn't any of that um, it, and, it, and some have incorrectly said, some have incorrectly said, if you ever come across this, you know this will be false. Some have incorrectly said that prior to this incident, all the animals were allowed to speak and people would understand the animals. And Suleiman alayhi salam, because he wanted like the power of speaking to animals and birds, then that power was taken away from all the rest of the people and the animals to speak aloud. And only Suleiman alayhi salam now has this. This is incorrect. And we learn this because, you know, why, why would he be impressed by it otherwise? And why would he thank Allah for it if it's just his? So it, it, it was something that um, people, animals couldn't speak aloud like, the, like, like we see in cartoons, for example. This is something that was blessed to uh, bestowed upon Suleiman alayhi salam. So Suleiman alayhi salam, upon hearing the ant speak and being impressed by what it was saying, 
and recognizing that this is one of Allah's favors upon him, he made a very special dua. And he said, Rabbi awzi'ni an ashkura ni'mataka allati an'amta alayya wa ala walidayn wa an a'mala salihan tarda wa adkhilni bi rahmatika fi ibadika salihin. And this is the dua Suleiman alayhi salam made. And the meaning of this uh, is very powerful. He says, Rabbi awzi'ni. Awzi'ni over here, it refers to The scholars have mentioned regarding the word awzi'ni that Rabbi awzi'ni in tafsir of Kashaf we find that Suleiman alayhi salam is saying Oh Allah first of all awzi'ni he uses Quran uses the word waw za an'ayn for the troops so the armies they were like they were held in position they were they were like Suleiman was strict about this they had to be in a certain position and they were there ready in their position they couldn't move and then Suleiman is using the same kind of word and he's saying Rabbi awzi'ni Oh Allah awzi'ni over here yuza'un here awzi'ni and the scholars have said awzi'ni means number one oh Allah prevent me from being ungrateful and keep me in a grateful state so that gratitude stays with me and never slips away from me this is what it means by awzi'ni it's a very deep word and Suleiman is not just saying oh Allah thank you he was already thanking Allah he says oh Allah First of all, number one, prevent me from being ungrateful. Allah, never ever allow me to be ungrateful, number one. Number two, keep me in a grateful state. Not just now, all the time. All the time, keep me in a grateful state. And number three, and it, it, don't let it slip away from me. I don't want it ever that gratitude slips away from me. I, like Just like the armies were like put together and they were held in place. Oh Allah, let me hold gratitude in place. Hold it in place for me so it never slips away from me. So this is why he said, Rabbi awzi'ni an ashkura ni'mataka allati an'amta alayya. Oh Allah, always allow me to show gratitude to your, to your, benefit, to your blessings and always allow and always protect me from being ungrateful. Uh, so now what happens is the ant calls out to the rest of the ants and says, enter into your dwellings. And it's very interesting the way the ant calls out. Um, I've spoken about this before in Juma, just dedicating the whole uh, talk upon this and how intelligent the ant was. The ant uh, used a very powerful and eloquent manner of calling out to its people. And it, it had a very positive attitude towards Suleiman and his troops as well. And he excused them and said, they're not going to intentionally crush you. They won't even realize. So the ant actually excused Suleiman and the troops as well. Uh, and, 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 and some of the scholars have written that this ant was more intelligent than the Rawafid who cast doubt of Kufr on the companions of the Prophet Whereas this ant, okay, is having positive thinking regarding the companions of Suleiman So the ant is better than a lot of people as well over here. So this was the second incident that happens with Suleiman that is spoken about in this story.
And there is a hadith um, from the Musannaf of Abdul Razak. The scholars have said it's authentic. And it says that Suleiman once came out with his companions and they were going out to seek water, meaning there was a drought and they were going out into the open to pray to Allah like we have Salatul Istisqa. Okay, we don't know over here. How do we know? Okay, when it rains, we complain. When it rains, we complain. This is how we are. We don't value this. We don't appreciate it. How great of a blessing it is to have rain. And to whichever situation you're in, to know that there's other people in a worse situation. A few days ago, we've been having, you know, really strong winds. But it's, it's like now and again. We don't have it all the time. And at that time, it should take us to a further level of gratitude that, oh Allah, you, you, it's as if you feel like you're in a tragedy, but it's a blessing. But it helps you to realize that there are so many places in the world that are constantly living in much worse conditions than this. Okay, in blizzards, okay, in winds, in storms, uh, which they have so frequently. You know, fires, forest fires happen when it becomes so hot in certain places earthquakes and all of this and we've got it so easy but it's it's the human mind just goes towards complaining towards negativity towards looking at what we don't have and what we're missing instead of focusing on what we have so here we find that Suleiman once went out with his armies and the idea was that they'll go out into this plain and they'll pray to Allah for rain and as he was going he say he saw there was one ant, there was an ant, he noticed this ant and it had picked up one of its forelegs. Okay, you know the ants got feet, okay. So he picked one of them up and he was raising it to the heavens and he was praying to Allah for rain. He was crying to Allah and praying to Allah for rain. Remember he understood the language of the birds and also the insect as well. Quran told us this. فَقَالَ لِأَصْحَابِهِ Sulaiman alayhi salam to the rest of, he said to these army, اِرْجِعُوا فَقَدْ سُقِيتُمْ Go back. There's no need for you to come out and pray to Allah for rain because you've already been granted rain. This ant I can see was already praying for rain and her dua has been accepted. Allah has listened to her and very soon you're going to see the rain pouring down. So this is another incident mentioned in the books of Hadith regarding Sulaiman and the ant. From amongst the blessings of Allah uh, upon Sulaiman alayhi salam are in Surah Al-Namla we continue This is another incident So Sulaiman alayhi salam as you know he had control over the birds over the jinn, over the human beings So one day he did a survey and he was checking out all the armies You know how you have a registration He was checking to see if everyone's present is everything in order are all the armies lined up so he surveyed the birds. He says, what's the matter? I don't see the hoopy bird. So there's one particular bird uh, from a category of birds called hudhud, which is known as the hoopy bird. And so the birds were present, but the leader of the hoopy birds was absent. And this was, he had, he had a very special role. And he was like the engineer of Suleiman alayhi salam. Whenever they would go and camp at places, when they would arrive in places that were open land or even jungles as well, this bird would go ahead. And this bird had the ability to see water even if it was underground. It could sense it from a distance. 
So, and water is life. You need water. Wherever you go, you need water. If you've got such a large army, you need water. So this bird had this role of going and investigating and checking for water. So the bird was missing. It was absent. But Suleiman salam, he said, what's wrong? What, where's the bird gone? Or is it from one of the absentees? Amkana min al-ghaibin. Is the hudhud bird missing? Is it from the absentees? I'm going to teach you a very severe lesson. If the bird is absent without any valid excuse, okay, this is time to be present, not to be absent. Why is the bird not here? Oh, I'm going to slay it unless, unless it brings me a valid excuse. It's got a valid excuse, that's fine, I'll let it off. Otherwise, the bird's going to be in serious trouble today. The bird wasn't away for long. So he just about said this and the bird came back. The bird came back. The bird was also clever. The bird just started straight away and said, I have become aware. I have become aware. I have learned knowledge about something that you don't know. Suleiman was the king. He owned the whole world. He was a king that ruled over the whole world. But he didn't know about something. And what was that? He says, I know something that you don't know. And I've come with reliable information. Okay, this is a very important word. in yaqeen. Reliable information. Quran tells us, if a Fasik comes to you with any news, any information, investigate, you must check it. If you receive a message, okay, no matter how truthful it looks, do not forward it. This is against Islamic principles. It's sad that we still have this. It's so common with WhatsApp and things like this. People are just forwarding and forwarding and forwarding. And how many times there's certain scholars Certain imams, I mean, how many times have I seen, and you guys probably have, for example, a message saying that Imam of Haram, like Sheikh Sudais, has died. How many times has that been circulated? Right? He's got died and revived and died and revived and died and revived again. And this has happened for, this is just one example. Like, yes, I know it gets you, you become emotional at that time. Right? When you see something, you know, it kind of gets you into this, oh no, what's going on? And sometimes it's like, some people want to be the first one to share the news. And you want to be like, oh, everyone's always sending it to me, let me send people sometimes. But that's not the point here. The point isn't to be the first one. But the point isn't to have this buzz about sharing and spreading things. It has to be binaba in yaqeen. It has to be reliable, authentic. And nowadays, with the technology that we have, you can Photoshop anything. You can change anything. You can put a signature on anything. And there's so many examples of this. How many times have you seen like food and ingredients? Like you've got letters and things from McDonald's or something or some other places that tell you, oh, our products are not halal kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's usually speaking about something from Australia or it's something from America. Or it's like 10 years old. Or that Rubicon mango contains alcohol, right? Don't drink. And some, someone might have not seen it before and they start spreading it everywhere. And it just causes mass hysteria in people. And I say that because it's true. Because these are things that we consume regularly, right? Food and drink and, and certain chocolates and certain ingredients. And it's just causing panic in people unnecessarily. 
and it's wrong. It's totally wrong. Especially when it's to do with halal and haram. Halal and haram are two very strong labels and only Allah is allowed to legislate what's halal and what's haram. If something is halal, people are eating it, right? And we know it to be halal. I can't just come up and say, oh, this is haram. It doesn't work like that. These are labels and only Allah is allowed to make something halal and something haram. We can't from our own self choose that this is going to be halal now, this is going to be haram now. It doesn't work like that. There's a whole process. If something's halal and people are consuming and eating it, to prove it's haram, you need proof. Proof isn't something you received on WhatsApp. That's not proof. That is not proof. You cannot, you, you don't know, you haven't verified. And even if you think you believe it to be 100% true, okay, and this has happened multiple times, you look at it and you just can't, there's nothing you can doubt. Even then you don't have a right to do this because that's not the way to go about it, of just sharing and forwarding it. Because there could be so much more to it. It could be an old document. It could be a forged document. It could be what you're saying is true. That yes, it does contain alcohol. But the amount of alcohol evaporates, it's so minimal that it doesn't declare this item to be haram. So it, just because it looks right to you, that doesn't mean you go ahead with it. So this is very interesting. Hudhud said that Suleiman, I have brought to you reliable information. This is not something I've made up or some you know, hearsay. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've been there. From, from the, 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 so he went to a place called Saba and uh, that's where I saw something. What did he hit? Then he explains, Inni I found that the people of Saba, there's a woman who's ruling over them. So she's a queen over them. And she's been given everything like she's very well to do. She's got the luxuries. And she's got this magnificent throne as well. So I saw this woman, her name is Bilqis. She's sitting on this throne and there's, she's got like a huge following and they've made her a queen. Something else I noticed that her and her people, they worship the sun. They don't worship. Instead of worshiping Allah, they are worshiping the sun. They are praying and prostrating to the sun uh, instead of Allah. Allah and, 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 and he goes on to explain that the same Allah who brings the hidden things from the heavens and the earth uh, out and he knows what you hide and what you what you uh, what you uh, what you expose and what you disclose Allah knows all of that so they, they choose not to follow and believe in that Allah and they worship the sun Allahu la ilaha illa huwa Allah, there is no God besides him. He is the owner of the awesome throne. So Suleiman says, okay, good. Okay. Now look at this. Even though he's said that this is 100% authentic, it's true. I've seen it with my own eyes. Suleiman says, okay, we will see. We will see, Sananduru, soon we will see, Asadakta am kunta minal Did you speak the truth or are you one of the liars? So, verifying. Verifying, investigating before you fall for something. And the Prophet said, It is sufficient to render a person a liar 
if the person relates everything they hear. If, you, if you've got a habit, if there's a person who's got a habit, every time you hear something, you just pass it on, you pass it on. The Prophet says, that's enough to know that this person is a liar. Don't trust that person. Because they just pass on everything that they hear from people. No, you have to verify. You have to investigate. Hear the hudhud use such strong words. I saw it with my own eyes. Okay? Even then, Suleiman listen, I'm going to see. We're going to check it out. I'm going to investigate. I'm going to do my own checks just to double check. Asadakta am kunta min al kadibin. He says, okay, I mean, I'm going to put you into this. I'm not going to tell somebody else. So he tells the bird, idhab bi kitabi hada. Take this letter of mine to Suleiman wrote a letter to the queen Bilqis, the queen of Sheba. And he writes a letter. Go take this letter of mine. Deliver it to them. Deliver my letter to them. Then withdraw. So deliver the letter, then move back. Just watch. I want you to tell me, come back and tell me how do they respond. So don't come back. Okay, give the letter and then just stand on the side or perch yourself on a ledge and just keep watching. I want you to tell me how do they respond. So this is he, the hudhud bird takes the letter of Suleiman Some of the books of Tafsir have mentioned a bit of detail. Quran doesn't speak about this. That when hudhud arrived into the palace of Bilqis, she was sleeping. And as she's sleeping in her bed, uh, the hudhud comes and drops the letter of Suleiman onto the chest of Bilqis. And then the bird goes and stands on the side. She opens her eyes and she notices a letter there. So she takes the letter. She opens it. And once she opens the letter, she's startled. She's startled by the letter. She sees the bird and she realizes that this is something very strange, very different, unexpected. Immediately, she tells the people, her guards, gather all the people, gather all the notable people, gather all the ministers. I have a very important consultation I need to carry out. So the Quran goes on to immediately she gathers everybody. I have been delivered a gracious letter. This letter is no normal, is a great she describes it as a gracious letter. It's been delivered to me. And then she reads the letter out. Do you want to know what the letter says? She said, Let me read and she reads the letter out. And this is what the letter said, exactly what the letter said the Quran has mentioned. And this is what Suleiman wrote to the Queen of Sheba. She says, this is what the letter says, Innahu min Suleiman wa innahu bismillahirrahmanirrahim Allah ta'alu alayya wa atuni muslimin. Three lines, very simple, very eloquent, very simple, to the point. Number one, Innahu min Suleiman. This is the first line. This letter is from Suleiman. First line. And then second line, wa innahu bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And the content of this letter is bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And the third line, Allah Ta'ala, and, and this is basically the instruction or the, the, the core message that is being delivered. Allah Ta'ala wa muslimin. Don't exalt yourself over me. Like don't be arrogant. Don't try and fight us, okay, and come against us, oppose us. And come to us in submission. Come to me in submission, meaning accept Islam. This was a short 
simple message. The scholars mention, first of all, very clear, in the Humin Sulaiman. Okay, that was very clear that this letter is from the king Sulaiman alayhi salam. Secondly, This tells you all about Allah and his attributes. This is introducing Allah to them. He's introduced Allah in one line. Allah Rahman Rahim. Allah Bismillah takes the name of Allah. Rahman Rahim. All his attributes are included in here. And then third, thirdly, Allah Ta'alu Aliya, don't exalt yourself over me, meaning don't be arrogant, which is pride. And pride is a root of all evils. Root of all evils. So he's basically knocked out all evils. And Wa'tuni Muslimi and come with me. Come to me as Muslims. And Islam is the name of all good. Very comprehensive message where he speaks about Allah and all his attributes and present Islam in such a way that shun all evil and implement all good. Now, when she received this letter, she addresses her people around her. She says, Oh, my courtiers, oh, my uh, noble people, oh, my ministers, advise me regarding this matter. This is the letter I, I, I need your advice. Advise me regarding this matter. I will not make a decision in your absence. I'm not going to make a decision without you. You've always been part of the decision making, and I'm going to include all of you. I will let's make this decision together. I'm not going to make a decision unless you're all present. So whilst you're here now, I want to hear what you've got to say regarding this. So they responded. This was their response. The ministers of the Queen of Sheba, this was their response. They said, we're very powerful and we've got a lot of courage. What they're trying to say? What they're trying to say? Challenge. If he's sending us letters like this, that, oh, you know, don't exalt yourself over me and come submissive. No, no, we, we don't need to be submissive. Look at the power we've got. Look at the army we've got. Look at the weapons we have. We've got power. We've got courage. Let's go and face him. We'll face him. If he's a king, you're the queen. We, we are your army. We, let's face him. We are people of strength. We are people of courage. But at the end of the day, decision is yours, O queen. We are just advisors. Yours is the decision. And So tell us, what are you thinking? You've asked us what we think. What are you thinking? The woman was very intelligent. The scholars mentioned she was a very intelligent woman. You know what she said? Immediately she said this. She said, oh people, do you know monarchs, rulers, kings, when they enter into a place, into a village, into a town, into a city, they just devastate the whole thing. They'll annihilate, they just break everything down. And they subjugate, they subjugate the dignified people. And this is what they're going to do as well. You guys are saying to fight them, like, can't you tell by the way he's worded it? You, she could tell straight away that Suleiman isn't some ordinary king. Like, you're setting yourself up for failure. Immediately she understood that we are no match to this Suleiman, whoever he is, she doesn't know who he is. But she knows that we are no match whatsoever. 
And if you want to end up like all of the other people, that when the, when, when the monarchs would come, they just totally destroy, and the dignified people, meaning us, we're, we're going to end up becoming slaves for that king. And we don't want that to happen. So if you want to know my opinion, that's my opinion. Although, although, let's do this. Now remember the Hulhud bird is watching all of this, right? So this is what she says, right? Okay, fine. You're saying we should challenge them. I think we shouldn't challenge them. Although I'm going to test them out. Let's see. Let's test the water. So she says, I'm going to send towards them some gifts. Now these were ordinary gifts, okay? She's a queen. So she's going to send some really, really expensive, valuable gifts. For now, I'm going to see what the messengers come back with, like what response they give. Um, so she sends these lavish gifts to Suleiman alayhi salam. So now the hood bird comes and all of these gifts, they arrive in the, they're arriving to the palace of Suleiman alayhi salam. Remember, Suleiman salam is in Baytul Maqdis. When they come to Suleiman salam, Suleiman says, Are you offering me wealth? Like, you guys are giving me wealth? Like, what Allah has given me is way better than, I don't need any of this. What you're bringing, no matter how expensive, how lavish, I don't just have things. I've got the wind under my control. I've got the jinn. I've got the birds. I don't need any of this. So what is she trying to like buy me out or something? But remember, she was very intelligent. She was intelligent because she wanted to see, is he a prophet or is he a king? He's told me not to oppose him with, his, with my army. Okay, so a king would say that. But then he said, come to me in submission. A prophet would say that. Is he a prophet or is he a king? Let's test it out. If I send all of these gifts and he accepts it, that means he's a king. And we can attack him because we know that that's a weak point. Okay, he's into materialism. But if he doesn't accept the gifts, that shows that he's got, he's got no inclination to the worldly material things. He doesn't need any of it. He's not going to be impressed by it. And that means he's a prophet and we should go into submission to him. So this was the idea. So when it comes to Suleiman, he says, are you offering me wealth? What Allah has granted me is way better than what you've given. This is very interesting. Suleiman says, you are being delighted by your own life. You are so delighted by these gifts of yours. Like they're making you happy. They make, your gifts are making you happy, not me. You're delighted by it. That happens, doesn't it? Sometimes you give someone a gift and you're more excited about it than the person getting it. And they're like, oh yeah, let's put it to a side. Uh, don't you like it? Like, anyway, everyone's laughing and smiling. I think you've had similar, similar experiences. Suleiman says, take, take everything. I don't want anything. Carry it all back. Send it all back to her. And tell them that I'm going to bring such an army against you lot. You will not be able to withstand. Take the gifts 
if this what you Aisha come comes in submission, didn't ask for any of your gifts. If, if that's the case, I'll bring tell her that I'm gonna bring such a huge army, you will not be able to withstand. And we will expel them from, from their area of Sabah where they're living in a way that they will be uh, they will be humiliated. They will be humiliated. So this is the discussion that takes place between uh, Suleiman alayhi salam and then the bird that was missing hudhud. And then, of course, it was verified that yes, there is a woman, they do worship the sun, and she gets the letter, she reads the letter out, they advise her to attack, she says, no, let's check it out, sends the gifts, Suleiman sends the gifts back. Now, so we've been through this, now what happens, The story continues. Bilqis realizes that this is a prophet. No king. This is no joke. These lot are serious and we have to go. So she prepares her people. She gets ready with her army. And now they've left. They've left Sheba, Saba, and they're going towards Baytul Maqdis, uh, where today we find Masjid Al-Aqsa, Palestine, they're coming towards this area because Suleiman this is where Suleiman lived his entire life. So this is where they're coming now. Now, as they are coming, and Suleiman found out uh, that they are on their way, he spoke to the jinn that were in his presence. And Quran continues: It is all group of people. Or notable people. Remember, these were not just the common people. These were like the, the special elite from amongst the jinn. Before she comes and accepts Islam, she's coming as, as a, in, in submission to accept my message. This is what Islam is called, submission. So before she arrives, who's going to bring her throne? All the way from Sabah to here in Baytul Maqdis. Who's going to bring it for me? So there was a jinn called Ifrit. He stood up. He said, I will bring her throne for you before you get up from your place. Meaning, like normally they'd have this kind of hearing or this judgment that Sulaiman would carry out. Some scholars of the Quran have said that you, you're looking at from morning till like noon. And then people would go for lunch. So that's like one session. So in this period of time, like in a few hours, you can say, in one morning, give me a morning, you said who'll bring it? Give me one morning, I'll bring it. That's all, that's all the time that's required. Whereas normally, you know, it takes time to travel. But you give me one morning, and so in that much time, before you end the session today, the throne of Bilqis will be here, and that will be before she arrives over here. And then he backs himself up. He just doesn't make a claim. He says, I am strong enough to do this and I'm trustworthy. You can trust me, right? You can trust me to do this and I've got the courage and the strength to do this as well. Just give me a morning, right? Before noon, the throne of Bilqis will be here where you want him. 
Now amongst the jinn or could be the people of Bani Israel, the Quran says there was a person who had the knowledge of the book. Knowledge of the book. So this could have been one uh, an alim from the Bani Israel, so a rabbi, or it could have been a learned jinn. Allah knows best. There's a name given as well to this individual. Um, his name has been given as Asif bin Burkhina. Asif bin Burkhina. So this was either a jinn or it was a pious person, a scholar from the Bani Israel. So he spoke up. When he heard that, that Ifrit the jinn is saying that I'll bring the throne uh, before the session ends, he said, the one who had the knowledge of the book, maybe he had he knew the Ismullah al-A'zam, the greatest name of Allah. He said, Suleiman, forget morning and afternoon and evening. I will bring you the throne of Bilqis before you can blink your eye. Okay? In a blink of an eye. Or you look there, whilst you look there, before you look back to your place, okay? You look there, you look back here. The throne will be here. I can bring you that quickly. Uh, so it's your pick. And yeah, went away along with it. Suleiman looked up. When he looked again, the arsh was there. The throne was there. Quran says, when he saw the throne settled by him, again, he thought, wow, I, I, I'm not entitled to this. Like who, he's saying that Allah has given me such people that, so this was, this was, you might see that this is a karama of this either jinn or person, but it was a miracle of Suleiman Islam as well. Yeah, so he's praising Allah. He's saying, "Hada min fadli rabbi." This is indeed a grace of my Allah upon me that He's granted me this. Now He says, "Why has Allah given this? Why does Allah give us so many blessings?" So that He can test me: Do I am I appreciative, or am I unappreciative? Very clear here. Quran is saying that Sulaiman salam says. That this is Allah's grace upon me so that he can test me. What's the test? Am I appreciative of this blessing or am I unappreciative? And then he says, Woman shakara fa Whoever is grateful, they're only grateful for their own soul. If you show gratitude, the greatest benefit of being grateful, appreciative and showing gratitude will be to you. You will benefit the most. Uh, more than anybody else. Woman kafara, then Quran says, whoever is ungrateful, my Lord is independent and is generous. And he doesn't need you. Allah doesn't need us. If we're ungrateful, Allah is independent. He doesn't need me to shower his blessings. Allah doesn't need, Allah has got loads of things, right? And it's not as if he's looking for people to give it to. He's independent. He doesn't need to give it to me. If I, if I am not grateful, Allah will take it away. 
and give it to somebody else. May Allah protect us. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us a dua: "Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min zawali ni'mati." All I seek your protection from my blessings being snatched away. And that happens when we don't appreciate what we have, when we don't value what we have, when we take things for granted. Instead of taking things for granted, we need to learn to take things as granted. One word difference is very helpful. Instead of taking things for granted, take them as granted. Learn to live a life where we see everything as a gift. Do you know when you get a gift, how do you feel? When you get a gift. Happy? Or else? Blessed? Why do you feel happy and, and, and blessed? Why? Somebody loves you. Okay, but they already love you. This is it. You didn't expect it. You didn't expect the gift. This is a gift. This is the difference between somebody doing something. A gift is something normally, it's a surprise. You didn't expect it. And that's why it's called a gift. It's a hadiyah. You didn't, it's not, you're not buying something. You're not trading something. You're not expecting it. Okay, you don't feel entitled to it. You see as a gift. If we learn to see everything in the world as a gift in your life, from the second you wake up, your breathing is a gift. Eyesight is a gift. Hearing is a gift. You turn on the tap, it's a gift. You turn on the tap, you think, how many taps do I have in my house? Okay, it's a gift. Okay, water is a gift. When you're doing wudu, you think, wow, so many people in the world don't know how. This knowledge that I know how to do wudu is a gift. My clothes are a gift. I might have bought them, but it is a gift. Okay, my fingers are a gift. Everything is a gift. The air, okay, we feel the wind. Okay, the rain, this is a gift. Allah's gifting me, okay. Learning to take the blessings of Allah, instead of taking them for granted, take them as granted. They're being granted to me as a gift. And this is very powerful. And this is what we learn from Sulaiman alayhi salam. Hada min fadli rabbi. Whoever shows gratitude, whoever is grateful, they are only grateful for their own soul. We've been speaking about this topic for the last so many weeks, especially in our, on our Sunday morning programs. And this ayah is very significant here. And we see that being grateful has so many benefits and this was one of the salient features of the Anbiya And this is something Allah wants to see inside you, inside me, inside everybody. The way the world is going at the moment, it's taking us away from gratitude. You go on Instagram, it takes you away because you're constantly looking at what other people have. Okay, we look at people's status, we look at people's stories, it's there constantly. And automatically, no matter how blessed you are, okay, when a person's always focusing on what you don't have, the hadith tells us that makes you ungrateful. So this, and, and, and automatically, I think human beings, you just focus on, on what you, what's missing instead of focusing on what you have. So you have to make an effort. This is not something that's going to come automatically. We have to make an effort. And here, look at this, Sulaiman salam, on each time, he's making an effort, right? And not only did he make an effort, he made a dua to Allah that, Oh Allah, help me to be grateful to you, grant me gratitude. And then he said, 
give it to me in such a way that it never slips away from me. That I'm always, Rabbi, awzi'ni an ashkura ni'matika allati. Oh Allah, let it be that gratitude kind of sticks to me in such a way that it, it never slips away. Um, so, وَمَنْ شَكَرَ فَإِنَّمَا يَشْكُرُ لِنَفْسِهِ And we're, we're finding now people in the world, right, we're hearing these stories again and again and again. I mean, Quran has already spoken about it. The hadith is already filled with it. But now we're finding, I mean, if, if this, is, this is sufficient for us, but for those people who, who don't understand this, who have not related to this, for some reason we haven't brought it into our lives, we're seeing examples of this. Evidence of this every single day now. You switch on the news, you read in the books, you listen to the lectures, you look at the research, and thousands of research papers are showing this now, scientifically proven that gratitude, it makes you more resistant. Gratitude will help you have a better sleep at night. Gratitude lowers your blood pressure. Gratitude lowers cholesterol. Gratitude helps you endure pain. Gratitude will ensure that you have a more fulfilled life. Gratitude is good for your well-being. People have used gratitude to overcome illnesses and diseases. And the list goes on. The list goes on. And you can, you can solve any problem through this. This is how powerful it is. And Quran speaks about it. And when it says, Whoever shows gratitude, they only show gratitude for their own soul. Meaning the benefits you have from this are absolutely immense. Just we wake up in the morning, we've been told to start the Alhamdulillahilladhi ahyana ba'dama amatana wa ilayhi al-nushur. This is not a saying. Remember, this is a dua. A dua doesn't just come from the tongue. It's supposed to come from the heart. It's supposed to carry meaning and focus. We're supposed to be present when we're saying it, not just a saying. When we're wearing clothes, Alhamdulillah, Alladhi kasani hada warazaqanihi min ghayri hawlim minni wala quwa. When you leave the bathroom, you leave the toilet. Again, these are simple things that we do every day, that kind of uh, like mundane things. That there's, there's no, we don't attach any value to them. But these can be so transformative in our lives. Just coming out of the bathroom and saying, Alhamdulillah, Alladhi adhaba anni al-adha wa'afani. And then saying it in your own language, Oh Allah, I thank you. You remove from me that which was causing me inconvenience and you've granted me relief. How closer will a person become to Allah? The next time you see something, instead of seeing it in a negative light, you'll see it in a positive light. You'll see it as a blessing instead of as a calamity. So this is what he says when he realizes that he's got people within his circle who, can, who, who, who are blessed. So the throne is bought in front of him and then he goes on to say, He says, disguise her throne. Like change it around a bit. So you've got, it's got jewels on it. It's got diamonds on it. It's, it, it's embellished with different things. It's got different designs. So he says, change it up a little bit. You know, dazzle it a little, a little bit more. Change the design of it a little bit. And, I want to see, now he goes, I want to check it out, I want to see and analyze when she comes, does she recognize it or she's amongst those who does not recognize it? Is she going to be guided or she's going to be of those who are not guided and is she going to be confused? So she's arrived. The queen of Sheba, Bilqis, has arrived with all her troops. The first thing Suleiman says, 
ahakada arshuk isn't your throne like this and she's like looking at it thinking well i've left my throne behind it's so many miles away it's it's under protection nobody can get it right and i've come all this way so she looks at it properly she was very clever intelligent quran says she, she responded she didn't say yes she didn't say no she said it's as if it is my throne it's as if it is very clever she didn't get caught out if she said yes it is then like how can the, your throne's in over there how's it here if she said no then it would have been wrong as well so she took the middle path and said it's as if it's mine it looks like mine it's as if it's mine and Sulaiman says we were granted knowledge prior to her and we were uh, submissive to Allah. What she was worshipping instead of Allah, meaning the sun, was preventing her, uh, that, that was preventing her from reaching the true guidance. She was indeed from the disbelieving people. She was told now to enter into the courtyard. So come on, enter. Enter into the palace, enter into the courtyard. So when she looked at the ground, she thought that it was a pool of water. So again, this was Sulaiman had done this to try and see if she's intelligent, try and understand her intellect. And he had basically put was it glass or whatever it was? Yes. And uh, she thought it was water because it's see-through. It, it, was, it was shining. So she picked up her dress. You know, she's wearing a long dress. She picked up her dress to expose her feet so it doesn't get wet. wet. So she uncovered her feet. And she was confused. Uh, and as she went ahead, then she confessed and said that this is a courtyard. We've just paved it with like crystal. That's what it is. This is no water. I thought it was water. In one way, it was trying to make her aware of the deception she was living in. Worshipping the sun instead of worshipping Allah. Like, I thought, I thought it was this, but it's something else. And immediately... What did she say? Oh my Lord, I have wronged myself. And I have believed with Sulaiman in the Lord of all of the worlds. So she became a Muslimah. And some even say that Sulaiman even married Bilqis as well. Allah knows best. So this is the other story that has been mentioned regarding Sulaiman in the Quran. So we end on this for today's session, inshallah. And there is another story which comes further on, and that is to do with Sulaiman and the horses and how Sulaiman was tested. Remember, we spoke last week about Dawud and how he was tested by Allah. But then, in that particular test, we had so many uh, Israeliyat and biblical narrations that have crept into the books of Tafsir that give a very uh, warped kind of uh, interpretation to the story. So same with this, when Sulaiman alayhi salam's story with the horses and the way he was tested, 
the Isra'iliyat have mentioned so many things. And some of these things, unfortunately, have crept into our books of Tafsir as well. So next week, inshallah, we'll be looking at that part of Suleiman alayhi salam. The fitna, meaning the test in which Suleiman alayhi salam, although despite being a great prophet, Allah tested him. And he went, made him undergo a special type of training. And what lessons he learned from there. And how he turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we'll go into this next week, inshallah. Wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanallah wa bihamdih. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa natubu ilayhi.